1: Well, a new episode and released on schedule. Don't worry, listeners, this organized new me is not going to last. Uh, a very special hello to all the new listeners on the Head Stuff Podcast Network, which is my new home for this show. And they're very nice in Head Stuff. I have to say, they're lovely people. Um, they said, Garrod, can we have your podcast for our network? And I said, well, what's in it for me? And they said, you can come in and you can use our office anytime you like. And we'll give you a Head Stuff mug. I looked them straight in the eye and I said, you have yourself it deal mister because i love a mug we're on headstuff.org it's a great um, media and arts website and uh it's great there's loads of things to read and listen to so uh so what are you waiting for get over there as always if you enjoyed this show please leave a nice review on itunes uh a lovely review maybe with five stars seriously if you were thinking of just giving it four stars wait till you're in a better mood this guest is one of the world's finest songwriters, singers and musicians. And she's probably listening. So I think it's worth saying that I have never been more ashamed of this theme music. Hello, you are very welcome to another episode of Fascinated. There's two things I love about doing this show. The obvious one is that I get to chat to brilliant people who genuinely fascinate me. But also, in the time between the interview and me putting the episode together, I usually binge on all of their work. And I have to say, I've never enjoyed this more than this episode. My guest this week is the amazing Marcella Detroit.
0: Don't think I-
1: Marcella Detroit has had a number of careers in the music industry. She's best known for her solo albums. She has this unique voice that manages to sound powerful and fragile at the same time. That might sound a bit crazy, but if you've ever heard her voice, you'll know exactly what I mean. She's also known for her work as one half of Shakespeare's sister. But Marcella Detroit is better known in music circles as Marcy Levy, a respected session singer, backing vocalist and songwriter. Marcy's music career began with her first band, Julia, who toured with Bob Seger and Leon Russell. And the pinnacle of her time with this band came in September of 1972 when they opened for the recently late David Bowie as Ziggy Stardust at the Fisher Theatre in Marcy's hometown of Detroit, Michigan. Following this, Marcella was hired by Eric Clapton and worked with him on the road and in the studio for the next four years. And she can actually be heard on many of his massive hits like Wonderful Tonight... And Lay, down Sally, Lay
0: Down Sally,
1: which she actually also co wrote. She released her first solo record, Marcella, in 1982 and continued writing and recording with the likes of Aretha Franklin, Burke Bacharach, Shaka Khan, Bette Midler, Belinda Carlyle, Jennifer Rush, and working on movie soundtracks for Mac and Me and Short Circuit. In 1985, she wrote another Clapton song, The Core. And did some backing vocals on the song "Tangled in Love" and ended up back on the road with them. Now I'd like you to relax and enjoy the dulcet tones of Miss Marcy Levy. In 1988, she was introduced to Siobhan Fahey of Banana Rama, and they began working together as Shakespeare's sister. On the first album, "Sacred Heart," Marcella was co-writing the songs, and on the records, she went from backing vocalist to featured vocalist. Before the second album, Hormonally Yours, Marcella was made a full-time member of the band. However, there's always a however. There were tensions between Marcella and Siobhan. Allegedly, Siobhan was unhappy with Marcella's more prominent role as a 50% member, and she was furious when the record company decided to release the song, Stay, with Marcella singing the lead vocal. Siobhan tried to block the release of the song, as she didn't feel it was representative of Shakespeare's sister's sound. The single was released and became a massive hit. It spent eight weeks at the top of the UK charts and if you know anything about Shakespeare's sister, you know this song.
0: Don't think
1: but while they were at the top of the charts, the tension continued between Marcella and Siobhan. In the aftermath of all of this, Marcella was very publicly fired from the band in an acceptance speech for a Best Album Award. Have you ever heard anything more cruel or crazy in your life? But anyway, that's what happened. Marcella went on to have big solo hits, like I Believe, and and I'm I'm No Angel, and release a string of solo albums. And they're all brilliant, to be fair. I'm going to give you a really quick rundown of Marcella Detroit's solo career. First album, Marcella, that was 80s pop. Jewel, very reflective. feeler, Kind of angry. Dancing Madly Sideways. Sounds a bit like Garbage, the band. I have to say the band there because you can't just say sound like garbage. Anyway, this is a quick rundown. Keep going. The Upside of Being Down, that's a blues album with the Marcy Levy band, which are a collection of musicians that Marcella really wants to work with to refresh her spirit. The Vehicle, it's kind of acoustic, gospel-y, and there's a brilliant documentary on YouTube which follows the making of this album. And then her most recent album is Grey Matters, and it's brilliant. <laughs> In 2010, Marcella competed in the TV show Popstar to Opera Star, where pop singers trained to perform opera on live television each week. As well as performing some very famous pieces, Marcella took on one of opera's most ferocious arias, Königin der Nacht, that's German, for the Queen of the Night from Mozart's The Magic Flute. Now, in this piece, the Queen is furious at her enemy, Sarastro, and she wants to convince her own daughter to murder him. What a bitch! Each week, we got to see the extremely high standards that Marcella sets for herself, and like a lot of creative people, she seems to be her own worst critic. In fact, in some scenes, she actually seems genuinely surprised by the praise of the judging panel. I'll kill for you, darling. Absolutely Who'd have thought that anyone would be able to sing it in
0: this competition, let alone the third week?
1: And yes, the voice you're hearing now is Marcella Detroit, a pop singer who learned this aria in a week. Marcella continues to create music and writes for today's pop artist, most recently writing the title track for Joe McEldrey's latest album. I decided to pursue an interview with Marcella when I was in Los Angeles with my friend John, who was one of my old school friends. Now, me and John have very different music tastes, and we were driving around a lot, and John had about 15 songs. 15 songs on his iPhone. Seriously, who has 15 songs on their iPhone? John, that's a disc man. So we decided to look up all of the music that I had on my phone. So I would call out artists and John would just give me these filthy looks. Then we hit on Marcella Detroit. I know, we were actually down to M at this point. It was really round in the morning. John said, oh yeah, or something like that. That's a really bad John impression if you know him. I knew she had a new album out and neither of us had heard it. So we downloaded it and literally we played it to death for the rest of the trip. And it's absolutely brilliant. And after chatting to her, um... And knowing that album so well, I actually see how personal that album actually is, which uh, is really lovely. Now, I was really excited to speak to Marcella, but I didn't really know what to expect either because i had seen her on interviews, uh, and I've always thought she seemed a little bit shy and quiet and very artistic, and I didn't really know what she would think of being interviewed by a comedian that she'd never heard of. But we had a lovely chat, and you know what? She's absolutely amazing. You're really going to enjoy this. This is the fabulous Marcella Detroit I have to start by saying, Marcella, your new album is, Grey Matters, is absolutely brilliant. It is definitely my album of 2015. Adele, who cares? Oh,
0: really? (laughs) Who cares?
1: Whatever. Adele, my fault. No, this album, uh, I think it's just, it's absolutely brilliant. And uh, uh, I know I'm right because one of my friends, John, uh, who listened to it with me when we were desperately trying to learn how to drive on the other side of the road in Los Angeles uh, He's right about everything and uh, he, he loved it as well
0: Oh great, well tell your friends, tell your audience, tell your people.
1: We thought that it sounded like the album that Madonna should have made.
0: Well thank you I don't know if Madonna would be happy about that but I'd be happy to write for her anytime and with her so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so pleased that you like it um, it's, It was really a lot of fun to do that album and I, I'm actually really proud of it I did it myself. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask that. Did you did you produce everything yourself?
0: Pretty much. I mean, I I wrote all the songs myself except for a few that my husband actually helped me with um, on some of the songs. His name is Lance Aston, and um, he helped me write "England Calling" and uh, helped me do a few tweaks on a song called "Not Just a Number" and a song called "You and Me." And other than that, I I wrote everything and produced it at home in my own little studio. Um, and then after that, each song had about like 40 or 50 pieces of audio you know, components that went into it. And then I sent everything over to a friend of mine, a great engineer, producer and writer named Paul Drew, and he mixed it for me. So he made it sound, you know, more like a record and added a few things. But yeah, I'm he did a great job too. I mean, he really did. So.
1: It's just such a great record. Like it's every every song is so memorable so quickly. Oh, thank you. Uh, Do you do you kind of reinvent your sound every time you do a record?
0: (laughs) I feel like I have to reinvent myself every time I do something. Um, That's kind of like what the music business feels like it's about to me. Um, Yeah, I mean, for this record, I just... I was in this type of mood where I hadn't written anything for about three or four months, which for me is a really long time. I was just feeling really disillusioned about the music business. And I was listening to some dance music, and I thought, I really like dance music. But for me, sometimes I feel what's missing are, like, songs. You know, they're more yeah. like sounds and moods, which which is cool. But I just thought, well, for me, you know, I, I like to, I write songs I'm a writer of songs so I wanted to do kind of my own version of dance music you know dance music with with songs that have um you know actual not that they all don't you know but you know some of the stuff that I was listening to doesn't and um so yeah, I just wanted to kind of embrace it and make it my own. Do you get
1: frustrated with dance music? Because I mean, people would consider you, I suppose, a pop artist from like the Shakespeare Sister and stuff like that. But when you go to do an album, the uh, the upside of being down, which was it's kind of a jazz sound, and you're back to pure instrumentation. Which way do you prefer to work?
0: Well, I did that album, the upside of being down, because I want it's to me it's a blues album. It's, it was me getting back into my roots because I felt like. What I was doing was a little bit contrived, and I wasn't really, it didn't really feel organic or natural to me, uh, a few things that I did preceding that, so I did that to kind of recenter myself, and, you know, that's where I came from. I come from the blues. I come from R&B and soul. I grew up in Detroit. I listened to that from, you know, since I was a child, but I just, you know, I really love all different kinds of music, so that was my little into the, back into my roots
1: you say there you, you love different type of music who will be on your cd player like when you get up in the morning who, who do you turn on
0: oh god it's it's really varied it's like anyone from um sly and the family stone to earth wind and fire to john mayer to nirvana to um wow that Sound is that Darlan, is a classic <laughs> classic call to the beatles i love the beatles oh i can listen to their music over and over again and I have yeah so it's quite I just like music that you know really um, that really means something that is it sounds inspired and it it reach, it touches me that's the kind of music I like and it can be so many different things
1: and are you, uh, are you someone that sits and listens to music or is it just uh, a kind of a constant companion during the day?
0: Um, well, it's not always on his background because usually I'm creating it. Oh, know? that's
1: nice to be able to say that. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs>
0: yeah, usually I'm creating and really that's, you can ask my husband, that's when I'm the happiest, when I'm actually creating something. So I just love lock myself in the studio and get into my own little world and create.
1: And how does the song come to you? What way does it start?
0: Well, you know, it's okay. Usually it's somebody will say something or uh, or I'll have an idea. Um, somebody will say something. It'll sound like a phrase. It will sound like a title of a song. I like to have a title. And I don't mean just an arbitrary title like, you know, roses are red. I mean, just something that like you could say something to me. And I, you know, in our conversation, and I, and it could inspire me in some way. Oh God, I hope I do. (laughs) I really will. Uh, That's
1: the goal of this interview now.
0: I was talking to a friend of mine when I was writing, you know, doing my um, Grey Matters album. She said to me, because I was feeling a little bit down, and she said, You know, you have to turn up the volume on the positive. And I went, oh, Excuse me, but that is a song title. And that, that is a great inspired song. Me. You know, it, and it could be a phrase, it could be any phrase, but it's got to mean something to me. I don't really write about things that I don't know about or care about anymore. Unless, you know, if I'm writing with other people, I can kind of get into their headspace, because, you know, it's all about the human condition. We all share similar human emotions being, you know, what we are, human beings. I mean, most of us are, some of us are yeah. kind of not, but anyway, Disguised as
1: monsters. Yeah.
0: But anyway, yeah, so that's how it usually starts, a phrase or I'll read something, I'll read a phrase or I'll see something on television and, and it'll inspire me and then I'll try to think, okay, how do I, this my mission is. Uh, how do I make this into a three-minute pop song? <laughs> and I like the challenge, so that's what I do.
1: Wow. I'm always so jealous of, uh, of songwriters because they leave something that is so memorable. Like, it's such a legacy. Because I work in comedy where uh, your, your show lasts... Until everybody that would come to see it has heard it, and then they never want to hear it again. It's it becomes oh. so disposable. It's so tragic. <laughs> <laughs> if if only comedians could have hits, wouldn't it be so nice that we would just bring them out? It would be fantastic. But your yeah. voice is—it's just—it's unmistakable. Uh, like, when did you realize you had like a serious, unique voice?
0: Well, it's it's hard to say. I realized that. Well, the only way that I could be heard when I first started joining bands, because I had been singing from the age of four or five, always in school. I mean, the minute I could, music just always attracted me. I had just this affinity towards it. And I was, you know, a, a singer and a musician. From a musician, I started playing things when I was about seven, and I just haven't stopped. I'm always picking up instruments. But I don't know, something about music always inspired me. And it just soothed me, comforted me. And it was like a, a good friend, you know, it was always there for me. But when I started joining, um, you know, singing with bands when I was 18, um, I realized because they were always so loud, I realized the only way to be heard was to develop my high voice. It just kind of happened naturally. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, to be heard over the din really. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I developed that and, you know, I took some lessons and I helped develop it and make it stronger even further. And I don't know, I guess I started realizing, wow, like, I I guess I must be good because, hey, now I am um, actually making money at this and being able to support myself, so... You know, that was good. Excellent. (laughs) Once that
1: starts, (laughs) life is good. Life is good. Um, And when did the songwriting then come into it? Because when did you start to write your own or or decide you wanted to create everything yourself?
0: Uh, Well, I had written poetry as a child, you know, going into school. Um, But I think I wrote my actual first song when I was 12. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I would enjoy locking myself in my room and and just writing and, you know, playing and to make myself feel better. And I found it was kind of therapeutic for me. And that's that's I guess that's one thing that really attracted me to writing. A way, you know, just like a a deep form of expression that I found that oh, I can't really be without this now. You know, it's okay. it's a great relief, something that I have to do.
1: <laughs> so you just you just caught the bug. Yeah, I caught yeah, the, bug the creative bug.
0: It. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Now I've been familiar with your music for a long time, and I, I suppose I had your your records, and I followed you on Twitter and stuff like that. But it wasn't actually until I sat down and had a good Google when I thought, you know, oh my god, I got, you know, I'll, I'll try and get her as a guest. But there's so much more to your career than your actual your your own performances. I mean, your your CV is is absolutely phenomenal. And um, like, there's so many little things. That uh, pop up on your CV that you kind of go, oh my god, I can't believe she was on that as well. Like you, you do harmony vocals on that song, "The Time of My Life."
0: Yeah, that's right. You found you found me out. When I first moved, I, I left Detroit. I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, believe it or not. That's how I got my connection with Eric Clapton. And after okay. I, I lived in Tulsa for five years, after touring with Eric for, for, you know, about that many years, I moved to L.A. And once I moved to L.A., I started doing a lot of session work for, like, you a lot of movies, um, lots of R&B and soul artists, including Aretha Franklin, Jeffrey Osborne, George Duke, Stanley Clarke, um, uh, what, Bette
1: Midler's one? on that list as Bette well, Midler, i saw <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah, Bette Midler, loads and loads of people. Um, George Benson and Aretha. That was the one that I sang backgrounds uh, a song called "Love Other the Hurt Away." Um, Was an amazing experience because Aretha Franklin is my still my vocal idol. I still love her, and she's back. I saw her yeah. recently; and she was good. Anyway, sorry I digressed. But no, yeah, digress all
1: you want. <laughs> this is great.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I did lots of uh, session work, and I ended up, you know, meeting this guy. And he asked me to come and sing on that um, on the "Dirty Dancing" track, so I sing the background vocals. It's a high voice, of course. Yeah, of course. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean that was my, you know, my that's what I I could do and
1: that's what be- i became known for so wow and th- yeah. there's some other bizarre things and obviously i mean you mentioned your the eric clapton connection there and you, i mean that was very modestly put, marcella <laughs> because you're of course responsible for one of his massive hits uh, lay down sally um, that's right
0: yeah
1: when you are when you're writing for other people and it, and it's completely separate to your own solo career does that frustrate the performers idea you know, when you're writing a song and, and you realize like a song like Lay Down Sally, it's, you know, it's a great song. Mm. When you're writing that for somebody else, do you kind of go, huh, I would have liked that one? <laughs>
0: um, well, you know, at the time I was in Eric's band and whenever I write with somebody, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm part of their thing. And at that time I was part of Eric's band and I, I was really grateful for that. And we were in the studio and he said, hey, I want to write a song called Lay Down Sally. So, I immediately came up with the melody. I heard that in my head. The minute he said Lay Down, Sally, I just started singing Lay Down, Sally. I went and grabbed the guitar and I started playing. It was a whole different group, but and I but the thing is I can be like and some people might think this is maybe a derogatory term, but you kinda have to be like a chameleon to write with other people. You okay. have to kind of get into their headspace. And like I said before, you know, we all we're all human beings, we all share human emotions. So it's pretty easy. It's like with acting, you know, we all share these emotions and we put them into the character. I used to act as well. And sometimes I still do. Um, but anyway, you know, it's all part of, of the arts about being creative. I put myself in their headspace. I, I talk to them and I find out what they, the other people, what they want to write about and what they're feeling. And, um, you know, I, I find myself there with them. So I don't find it really frustrating um i just you know any opportunity to write you know especially with people like clapton you know it's a great thing
1: when i was doing my research today i was delighted to find that you actually write one of my favorite go-to cheer up songs which is belinda Carlisle's little black book
0: oh yeah, yeah so
1: thanks so much for that because that song has cheered me up it has kept me awake on motorways it is i, I love it
0: oh you're welcome i was about eight months pregnant when i wrote that with belinda and um my songwriting partner, Richard Feldman. Yeah, it's a fun song. And Belinda is great, really great to work with.
1: Now, obviously, we have to talk about, like, you you made a solo album in 1982. And then right. you, you didn't really, rec- well, you didn't r- release anything for a number of years. And then you hooked up with uh, Siobhan Fahey for Shakespeare's Sister. But uh, how did that come about?
0: Well, actually, um, yeah, so 82, I did my, my album on Epic Records, which unfortunately nothing happened with because, you know, you know, they don't always work. They don't always fly. But then I went back to working with I still stayed in L.A. doing lots of sessions and and I was always trying to do my own thing. And but in 85, I wrote a song with my my partner, Richard Feldman, who I mentioned just before, and um, we wrote a song, got to Clapton again. And I joined his band for a year and I did Live Aid with him. And
1: and oh, cool. then, and no, but
0: know, but yeah, I came back to L.A. What was Live that. Aid like Oh, to, to be
1: part of that? That must be phenomenal.
0: It was incredible. Yeah. They, and um, we were actually on tour in the States, I I think on the West coast. And then we had to fly to Philadelphia to do, to do our version, you know, of, um, of our contribution to live aid. And Phil Collins came in after he did, he did the show in London that live aid and then he flew over on the Concord and joined us on the stage a few hours later. And it was really exciting to, you know, sing to like a hundred and, 5,000 screaming people and being televised all over the world. And yeah, so that was great. Anyway, after that, um, I decided to leave the Clapton thing because I didn't, you know, I was always trying to do my own thing. And uh, I was always doing, you know, doing my own records or writing for myself with other people. But it was always the thing I had in mind was to do my own, be an artist in my own right. Um, My friend Richard Feldman and I were writing And um, he lived in Encino, which in California, which is just a a little suburb kind of northwest of L.A. Anyway, one day he called me and said, oh, you never guess who moved in across the street. Dave Stewart and his wife, Siobhan Fahey. I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. He said, I'm going to go introduce myself. So he introduced himself. And then he said um, after, you know, like a few days later, you should come over. I'll introduce you to them. And so I went over. And, uh, and, and I met them, and Siobhan was really pregnant at the time. She was probably like about, I think she was maybe like seven or eight months pregnant. She was very quiet, very shy. Um, I knew a banana rama and, you know, of course, I'd have to be living under a rock not to know yeah, about them. Yeah, yeah. But...
1: Uh, they were huge. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And, of course, you know, the Arrhythmex, I was a huge fan. And yeah. So Richard and Siobhan started writing and he asked me some time later, would you like to come and write with us? She's going to leave panorama, and she wants to do something a little bit darker. She's kind of tired of the whole, you know, kind of glitzy, you know, light kind of pop thing. Hmm. And I said, yeah, sure. He said, yeah, you can come over, you can sing, you can play, write, play whatever you want. And so, um, yeah, so we started writing together and it was working out well. And I just thought, oh, well, that's cool. And a few month, months later, or about a month later, they went to England to start writing some more at, at Dave's uh, studio, the church up in Crouch End. And um, he called me and said, you got to come over, come over, You're gonna, you know, write some more with us. <laughs> and so cool. I, I came over and we wrote some more, and that was really the beginning of, I think, me being more of a prominent, you know, or part, more part of the band, I, I was still a hired hand. I, I was still not, a you know, an equal member, but I was still more of a, a hired hand. You know, I played, I sang, uh, and I wrote all the, you I know, mean, co-wrote almost all the songs on the album. And it wasn't until the second album that I became a 50% member, but that's how it started.
1: When something like happens, like the, the song Stay, which I suppose, you know, you say you have to be living under a rock not to know Bananarama, but I mean, you'd equally have to be under a rock not to know Stay. What was it like when that all, You know, because that was you were very much to the front on that. But when that to finally be the artist, I suppose, that you'd wanted to be when you were writing in the 80s and stuff like that. What was that like?
0: Oh, well, it was pretty shocking, really, that that song really was our our biggest hit. Um, And, you know, basically it was the whole album was a concept album and and we were trying to get the rights to this. 1950s B movie called Cat Women from the Moon, and we wanted to get the rights to it and superimpose ourselves into the film. and And every song was written about a specific scene in the movie. Oh wow! And, yeah, and my character in in the um, you know within with the, the album, I was singing to this Earthling that these Earthlings came to the moon and. And we we started having relationships with him and I and mine. He was going to go back, and I wanted him to stay. So that's where that came up. With Dave, actually helped us write that. Um, he came over to my house one morning, and I I was like still in bed. My husband came, woke me up. Hey, get up, Siobhan and, and Dave are here. They want to write a song. I'm like okay. So I get up, <laughs> puts a shows a coffee in my hand, and we start writing. He came up with the like he had the first part of the. Song And then when it came to the chorus, I just started singing, Stay With Me. I don't know something, spirit took over me and, and that was it. But um, when it became, when we, we did the demo at my house, just Siobhan and I in my little studio and uh, brought it back over to Dave to their house and Chris Thomas, a great producer um, that produced like, um, you know, Pretenders and In Excess and Pulp and all those guys. Um, he heard it went number one smash and we're like, Really? Okay, but anyway, so we started after the album was done. Um, it came out and we started touring in England. The first single was Goodbye Crew World, that didn't do a whole lot, but um,
1: it's a great song, then, I love that. Yeah, song.
0: it's a cool song, but uh, I don't know what happened. But anyway, um, then they announced the record company announced they went on stay to be the next single, and and Siobhan didn't um, want to. Tour didn't want to do the radio promotion tour. She wanted to be with her family, so I just went around the country and took my guitar and sang it on all these stations all over the UK. and And the next thing we know, it's like entering the charts. We're doing Top of the Pops uh, every week, and it's going up the charts. And the next thing we know, it's number one, and it stayed there for eight weeks. And I think we were all pretty surprised um, that it, it was almost a little bit embarrassing. Like, oh my god. Yeah, (laughs) eight weeks. Wow, and it still holds record for the longest number one, number one, number um, you know, uh, longest running number one for female artist in the UK,
1: which is pretty incredible.
0: So it's something to really be proud of. I am definitely proud of it. But it was a, it was a whole new experience. That's for sure.
1: I suppose it was a tough time as well because shortly after Hormonally, Your there was yeah, there was only two albums with Shakespeare's sister. That, with that my was my involvement. Yeah, with yeah Oh yes, with your, your involvement. Yeah. yeah. And then it all finished at the Iron Novellos. Yeah. Where you you went up to collect the award and then Siobhan's publicist just read a statement saying you were no more.
0: Yeah, what he said was quote unquote it was her publisher, her music publisher. She wasn't there at the award. She was having some some issues and she just wanted to be, um, you know, just not be there and chill out. But um, Dave was there, and her publisher, and we were all invited up on the, the podium to, to accept the award for it. was the best collection of um, contemporary songs, i.e. album, at the Ivor Novello Awards. And the um, publisher said, Siobhan wishes Marcy well for the future, all's well that ends well. And that was, I mean, I, I suspected that something was going to happen. But I was not warned. And it was a little bit surprising to do it publicly.
1: Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: And I have to say, you know, it was um, it would have been nice if it wasn't another way. But but in a way, you know, it's just kind of
1: it's I suppose at this point it just becomes a story.
0: Well, yeah, it's a great wow. It's a great story. What a great line, you know. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But anyway, you know, yeah, great. You know, I wish her well. I've been. We haven't really spoken since then. Um, I still do wish her well, and I've tried reaching out, but she doesn't want to talk with me. Um, So you know, that's cool. Life goes on, and I certainly wish her well in all her endeavors. And I'm still, you know, doing what I do. And
1: I mean, that's kind of the magical thing about it because you were what you were doing before that. that um, is still exactly the same as what you're doing what you're doing now and i, I suppose after Shakespeare's sister I, it must have been the accumulation of all those years of experience and plugging away in, in studios but you made some cracking albums the Thank that you. jewel album is i mean that's a, a fantastic album and the collaboration with elton john were absolutely amazing and i think i believe actually that the which i think was the first single you did after shakespeare sister that's right um, yeah like that song that is one of those songs that well for me when i think of the 90s and i suppose then i was at school and it was smash hits and pebble mill and all all those things that is one of those songs that just i think is the soundtrack to that for me oh thank you it's such a great song do you do you still perform that uh
0: yes i haven't in a while um but, yeah, I, so people have said, oh, you need to do that. You need to, I'm like, well, yeah, I can do it. I do. I've done it acoustically many, many times. It definitely translates well just with an acoustic guitar. That's how I wrote it, just with on guitar. So.
1: Yeah, and oh. I'm No Angel as well. That was a brilliant song. I, I, oh, I, thanks. God. Do you know what? Actually, after this interview, I'm actually going to play that album. Because <laughs> okay. I played the other ones today. It <laughs> was such right. a great album. You kind of steer clear of the celebrity circuit. But yeah. uh, you did uh, the pop star to opera star in the UK. Yes. Uh, a couple of years ago and i don't think it was a surprise to anybody uh, how amazing y- you were at singing opera had you had any experience of that before
0: never and that was so hard it, it just haunted me every night you know when i was doing the show um and it just really kind of came out of the blue my ex an ex-publisher friend of mine contacted me and said oh that you Some people might want to get in touch with you about doing a show, this opera show in England. I'm like, oh, okay. So I got an email about a week later. Hi, I'm the producer from a show that is called Pop From Pop Star to Opera Star, and we wondered if you'd like to audition for it. So I went to this this audition, which was held by this um, amazing vocal coach here in L.A., but she actually coaches what used to be American Idol. So immediately when I saw her, I was like, oh, wow, it's Deborah Bird. It's this really (laughs) famous woman who's been on American Idol coaching all the contestants. I'm like, okay, well, this must be pretty serious. So I went and did the audition, and she was saying really positive things to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, you've got it. I think they'll really like you. And I didn't realize the whole time I was doing my audition that um, they were watching me in England from like some kind of closed circuit. You know, oh, God. Kind of I had no idea. Very 1985. Um, yeah, but and that was the day before Thanksgiving um, over here, which is like at the end of November, our Thanksgiving holiday. And the next day on Thanksgiving, I got the call. And um, I got the call that, uh, yes, they want you to do the show. So I was really excited. And they said that we were going to be mentored by Andrea Bocelli, which to me, oh wow! if I could be in the same room with that man, uh, I would have just given... Just about anything, except my firstborn, of course. <laughs> so, but I just love that man's voice. God, he's—it's beautiful, and the emotion. So I just thought, great, I, I'll do anything to be in—you know—in that if I can meet him. And he was going to be in the semifinals. That's what they told us. And there were supposed to be all these other perks and and everything. But um, I take everything I do way too seriously. Anybody knows me—that knows that I take it all way too seriously. So. You know, all I did was, you know, every Sunday we'd get a new song and Catherine Jenkins and this guy, Rolando Villazon, who's a, uh, he's from Mexico, opera star as well, very well known. Um, they coached us and then we had these amazing, they were the mentors and we had these amazing uh, vocal coaches from, that were coaches for opera singers. And So, you know, we had to learn all the songs and different languages every week. And um, really to sing with an orchestra though, for me was one of my dreams. I studied classical violin when I was eight and I loved classical music. So to have that opportunity was such a thrill every week as well. So the whole experience was, it drove me nuts in a way that, in that I could not stop thinking about the songs every week. You know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, I could read music a little bit enough to know when I was getting the melody right and not. You know, so every okay. night I'd wake up about 3 a.m. and go and I'd be singing the melody like, no, no, that's not right. You know, the sheet music. I remember I have a photographic memory. So, oh, wow. If I, yeah. If I was if I was not doing exactly the melody, I, you know, I was picturing it on the sheet music. I'm going, yeah, I didn't get that right. I didn't get that right. So it would just drive me nuts until I'd actually do the show. And by that time, I, it was so ingrained in my head that I, I still know those songs like completely by it oh wow
1: because i i was actually uh the assistant director for a production of the magic flute in dublin god maybe eight ten years ago uh so i heard i've heard that uh queen of the night song sung many times (laughs) many times in rehearsals but uh your version of it was absolutely amazing
0: oh thank you
1: how different is that operatic voice to the voice that you normally sing with like how much how much work did you have to do to get there
0: Oh, I had a lot of work, like all day, every day. We had two hours of, of uh, vocal training every day. And then I would, you know, I would do training on my own. Um, it takes a lot of work. It's so much more difficult. And it's so restrictive. I mean, you cannot go off of the melody at all, you know, and the music that I do, especially when I was doing my blues and soul, it's a lot of improvisational stuff. So it's completely different i mean in every way support I mean, you still have to have support but in a way it's even more intense to get to some of those notes and to get the power you really have to know what you're doing so you don't hurt yourself um yeah so it's it's very different
1: but the female voice changes so much you're marcella detroit you're known for the high notes Do you panic do you worry about that of, of maintaining the voice is it something that you can relax at at all or are you constantly worried about your voice
0: relax who me oh you're a woman after
1: my own heart I'm exactly the same (laughs) if I have a gig in the diary in a month's time I'll be thinking about it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah relax well that's something on my uh my wish list relaxing (laughs) um I've been trying to do that ever since I started I don't know I've inherited my mother's worrying genes I don't really know how to relax so well I try but it's really kind of a joke for me um but yeah I do worry about it and as as I've gotten older, i um I really have to be careful about what I eat because certain foods will will upset my stomach and then that affects my voice. I mean, it gets really insane I have to I have to make sure I you know hydrate. I live in a very dry climate, so okay I live in California, it's very dry here, so I have to drink a lot of water I have to eat properly, you know it's just it's, you know, constantly thinking about it and, and working at it and and keeping myself, um, you know, warmed up and and ready to go at any time. But it's it's uh, it's a commitment.
1: I, I actually I listened to a song from your first album today um from the Marcella album 1982. And then I listened to a song from Grey Matters, the England uh, Calling song. And yeah. if it's any consolation, <laughs> the voice sounds exactly the same, if not better. So. <laughs>
0: I hope it sounds better. I mean, I, it was a little bit thinner back then. Um, There's a richness,
1: yeah. I think. Uh, I think when female singers get older, they what uh, what they um, they con- like the 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 range changing. I think is compensated for by this richness.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know I'm anything sad. about
1: music, but that's just what I hear. I think. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think for me that's happened. Definitely, I'm really grateful for that because when I listen to some old recordings, I'm like, "Ooh, I can't believe you know that it was so successful." Because sometimes it sounds really thin, but um, I feel like now my voice has matured in a in a a nice way. It, it's got more a little more depth to it, and and uh, it's got like you said a little bit more richness to it. So yeah, thank you. I'm,
1: I'm grateful for that. What's life like today? You've released the Grey Matters album. I suppose it's coming up to Christmas. So what, what are you at on a day to day basis? You know, are, are you are you constantly thinking about the next job or the next piece of work or or can you just relax with your friends and what will be will be?
0: Oh, you said that relax word again. Oh,
1: yeah, I have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> You've put your stake in the ground about this. Oh. <laughs> you don't well, relax. <laughs>
0: no, I don't really. I'm... I guess I'm a type
1: A. Person. Surely you've you've had so many uh, songwriting credits at this stage, Marcella. You should just be relaxing in a spa and letting the the publishing money just roll in. Surely that's oh, the way it is. That be nice. <laughs> yes, very
0: nice. Um, well, actually, right now I'm just caught up in the holiday madness. I mean, and, and I am kind of enjoying that and relaxing, but but I'm still working writing every every time, every moment I can, you know, when I don't have other things to do I, I like to write. in fact, I just wrote I thought every year every year I do write a new Christmas song, I, I release a few holiday albums of you know mostly original songs. I tried to write a new one every year. And this one this year I wrote one and created we my husband and I created a little video for it. It was the first time I actually helped create the video. I actually did some editing on it. I learned how to do that, which I was pretty you know chuffed about. Yeah, but it's um you can find it on YouTube. It's called For Christmas. Yeah, so I try to do that every year. And uh this one is is available there's a free download if you want it. You can go to SoundCloud. I have a link up there for to go to SoundCloud if you want to download of it. But I'm just concentrating on the on Christmas and, and the New Year. But well, when I get back, I've got... I, I am going to release... I only released one single from Grey Matter so far. It was released in September. And I uh, came over to the UK and, uh, and spent about three weeks in October there and did a lot of sessions for Radio 2 and loads of other stations. And I got really good response. And um, And after the first of the year, I'm releasing another single from the album. And it'll just be, you know... Back to work you know get cool back to work, get and if to you're work, in england
1: to... it's only huh? a short hop if you're in england it's only a short hop to dublin so maybe consider a dublin gig
0: yeah wouldn't that be fun that would well, be I cool hope... yeah i i love ireland too i've been there only a few times but i've always had a wonderful time and um we'll see you know see how the single goes and if it makes sense to to uh go do some shows um that's what i'm hoping for it's all about you know building the building the um the market building the you know the audience getting the word out there and um it's you know it's hard cuz i'm i'm on my own it's kind of like me and i have a radio plugger and um and that's about it so you know i'm on my own label so we'll see how it goes
1: what's it like being an independent artist in in 2015 i mean you are you when you began songwriting i mean that was the 70s and 80s when the the Money was flying around for artists, but now the industry's changed so much. How do you find that?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, um, it's really changed. And, you know, in one way, it's great because uh, there's so much more freedom. Um, I can release what I want to release. And, but it, you still have the hurdle of getting the word out there. You know, you still have that hurdle of and how do I, you know, expose my music to, you know, millions of people? Um, you know, and, you know, just because millions of people have heard it, you'll be lucky if 1% of it want to buy it, yeah. uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, it's a challenge and there's so much competition. Anybody can create a music and put it up on iTunes these days. You can get it distributed all over the world for a, a, a minuscule amount of money, but you still have that hurdle of, of getting the word out, you know, if you're really good at viral marketing, you know, viral, you know, marketing and social networking, that's one thing. But if you're not, it's a little bit of a challenge. So it's just finding people who can help you. And I don't really envy people starting out these days in the music. It's a real it's
1: a different game, isn't
0: it? It's a completely different game than when I started. You know, there was more structure to it. Now it's just kind of a whole web and network of so many different things and uh, I would be overwhelmed. And I think that's why why people are finding it kind of, you know, getting onto television shows like, you know, The Voice yeah. and, and X Factor and all that stuff is it, kind of helping them take that, that leap into people's living rooms. You know, it's making it a little bit easier for them to do that. But then you still have to sustain yourself after that. You'd be lucky if you can, you know. So yeah. it's, it's, And that's why I, I just feel like I'm always having to – pick myself up and start again, pick myself up and start again. And I think anybody that's in the music business, you have to do that. You have to be, you have to be flexible. You have to, you have to be, I think you have to be sensitive, but you have to have a, a some kind of thick skin as well. Otherwise yeah. you're just going to burn.
1: You do hope that with the industry almost collapse of the music industry that if people have talent they will actually get what they want but i do i suppose that's not always the case um, yeah
0: talent talent is not enough anymore you know yeah. you, have, you have to wear so many different hats now you have to be you have to be a music producer you have to be you have to be your own a and r person meaning you have to get you have to know what you're doing you have to choose your you know the music and the genre that's perfect for you you have to know who the people are that are listening to you you have to know where to target you have to know i mean there's so many things you have to know and let alone that you have to you know write and create your own stuff it's you know it's a lot people think oh it's so easy and it's so glamorous you know it used to be i have to be quite honest it used to be a lot more glamorous Really? When I, <laughs> oh yeah when i started out you know, when I was doing it flying in Learjets and stuff with Eric Clapton and you know, doing the stuff with Shakespeare's sister. I mean, that was glamorous. Now, what a, what was now your, so glamorous.
1: What's the what was your biggest, most glamorous experience in that time?
0: Oh mm, well, Wow. I don't I don't know. I mean well I can tell you one glamorous experience was um when I worked with, with uh Elton John and uh Clunk. Named yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, when I worked with Elton and um, and we did, you know, the on the the duets album, and it was also on my jewel album. The ain't nothing like the real thing. Oh yeah. And then he invited me to do a show with him in Paris, where we were going to showcase the song. And um, he invited me. He said, "Oh, come and fly on my, you know, I'm, I've got a private jet." So I thought, "Oh my God, isn't this is amazing?" Wow. And I, was, I don't know if it was his jet. But it was a, a private jet, and I, I w- we were at London Heathrow, and then we flew to Paris, and and we went to the sound check, and and then the next thing I know, came back from the, the you know going to the hotels, and we came back to the sound check, and he's got this beautiful um, boxes on the table for me, a beautiful outfit from from Johnny Versace, and I opened it, it's this gorgeous outfit, so. That was pretty glamorous, and yeah. you know there are many other stories, like partying with the Rolling Stones and doing like crazy things, and touring all over the world with Clapton and flying on Lear jets through the snow in New York, and uh, you know I've been so fortunate. I'm, I've been really, really grateful to be able to do what I do, and I'm I don't take it lightly. Uh, it's it's an honor and it humbles me. And you know if my music touch with somebody or help somebody even. I've had a few people say that to me, and that is really like the highest honor I could possibly have. And I keep reminding myself, wow, that's really amazing. You know, to be able to do that, share something that I've created and to make somebody happy or give somebody something from that. I mean, what, what more could I want?
1: Well, that was the fabulous Marcella Detroit. That really was one of the special ones for me. Uh, She is just absolutely amazing. I'm always so jealous of songwriters because they really leave the ultimate legacy. I mean, definitely in a hundred years time, people will, they'll still sing Lay Down Sally. They'll still know Stay because the recordings are there. They're high quality. They're on iTunes. They're in radio stations. The music, it will actually survive. And comedy just doesn't. It just evaporates. (sighs) So sad. Well, all I can hope is that the people that do Marcella's songs in 100 Years' Time do as good a job of it as she did on all those opera areas. If you want to hear more of Marcella, all of her music is available on all of the download platforms, including iTunes. She also releases demos and stuff on her SoundCloud page, and also each Christmas she releases a Christmas song to download for free. I mean, all the other artists that are cashing in on this and then she just gives her fans a free song. She's pretty cool. Uh, this year it was a song called For Christmas and I have got it on my iPhone and I, I'm still playing it and the end of January. I need to stop. <laughs> okay, her new album is Grey Matters uh, and if you lovely listeners would like to buy a signed copy of it, a signed copy, you can go to www.greymatters.info. That's greymatters, spelled G-R-A-Y-M-A-T-T-E-R-Z dot info. All of this information, I'll put it all on the Headstuff page. But mention in the PayPal window that you want a signed copy, and also tell her she was brilliant and fascinated. I'm sure she'd love to hear that. Also, she has re-released a double download pack of a new version of Stay, and that's also on iTunes. You can also follow her on Twitter, at Marcella Detroit, or like her Facebook page, and she puts up really cool opportunities to buy demos and stuff like that. Trust me, it's really great being a, a fan of Marcella. And don't just take my word for it. Take John's. Hey, how's it going? Hello.
0: How are you?
1: Um, come here, listen. I was just ringing to ask you, what was your favourite album last year?
0: My favourite album last year? Yeah. Uh, oh, I have to say, I say it was that Mark
1: right one. Well said. <laughs> no, I was, just, I was just recording the start of this call because I uh, <laughs> I mentioned you in the podcast that there's very little crossover in our music tastes, and that, you know, in the car, Marcella Detroit was the only compromise. i uh, was <laughs> <laughs> just
0: to tomorrow, back in
1: the <laughs> See? Told you. Right, that's it from me. Uh, subscribe, leave reviews. Also, check out headstuff.org and the HeadStuff podcast. I was a guest on that two episodes ago. Uh, if you want to get in touch, garode at garodefairly.com or at garodefairly on Twitter. Also, stay tuned because in conjunction with head stuff we've been talking about this we're going to do a fascinated giveaway this is going to be an absolute disaster i'm just going to want to keep all the stuff but anyway if you like this episode why not check out episode five that night we won which is me chatting to eurovision winner neve cavana about her experience of the music industry and being um, a session singer before before the whole eurovision thing until next time thanks for listening tell Reg, nearly home. Free Kids Workshops are back in stores at The Home Depot. On the first Saturday of every month from 9am to 12pm, bring your little ones to a local Home Depot for a hands-on learning experience that kids love. Find more kid-friendly projects and Kids Workshop kits at homedepot.com slash kids. For 25 years, The Home Depot has been building confident, future doers with its free Kids Workshops the Home
0: Depot, how doers get more done. Wasp last, US only.